It's never too early to play holiday music, and it's never too early to start thinking about gifts. Whether it's for a friend or the friend in your pants, you can make this season to be jolly with Manscaped. Do your little drummer boy a favor and use the lawnmower 4.0 to avoid another silent night in the bedroom. Then add in Manscaped's top-of-the-line shower products to have the people thinking, all I want for Christmas is you. Santa cares about his sack, and so should you. Look nice when you get naughty by going to manscaped.com and using the promo code POWERTRIP20 for free shipping and 20% off. Now that you've groomed your candy cane, it's time to make sure you don't smell like a reindeer with the Platinum Packages shower products. All of Manscaped shower gear is sulfate-free, vegan, and made to have your skin feeling hydrated and smelling fresh. But smelling good doesn't stop at the shower. The Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner can solve stank problems all day long. Once they touch your sack, you'll never go back. So get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code POWERTRIP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Just use that promo code POWERTRIP20. Manscaped, get your jingle balls ready for the holidays. The upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the Two Man Power Trip. Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We ready to go or what? Okay. To the two-man power trip of wrestling, your host JP John Paz with me today. Very special guest, a former WWE World Tag Team Champion. He is an OVW Triple Crown Champion. He is Mr. Mike Mondo. Mike, welcome to the two-man power trip. How you doing? Ah, thank you for having me on the show. I appreciate it. I'm glad we can make this work. What is going on in your world? What have you been up to? Oh wow! Uh, yeah, 2022. Here we are. Um, well, I'm the uh, head trainer at the New York Wrestling Connection Pro Wrestling School here in Long Island, New York. Uh, I started doing that about a month ago. Uh, really enjoying myself. A lot of uh, a lot of talent there. A lot of potential. Um, getting back in the ring uh, physically in February at the Psycho Circus. Uh, that's the NYWC's biggest show of the year. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting back in the ring and just doing what I love to do. Uh, but other than that, you know, just keeping busy, uh, doing seminars, um, online coaching. Actually, in fact, I have this um, service out there, Mondo Bootcamp. Uh, 
picked them a uh, hashtag mind of Mondo. And, um, yeah, uh, what you do, it's, it's real simple. Uh, you send me a match, and uh, I'll critique it from A to Z, break it down to the bone, uh, show you the pros, the cons, uh, what you could have done better, uh, really point out the little things and uh, the things that really matter, you know, that make a great match, the psychology, uh, the footwork, uh, ring positioning, uh, the facial expressions, the body language. I mean, I will systematically dissect your match from A to Z. Um, just for a low cost of $20. And, um, you know, I just look forward to whoever wants to take advantage of the service and working with you. That's very cool. And I always notice that you have those little uh, messages on Twitter, like, uh, you got to do this, you got to do that. It's always good educational stuff out there you're putting out. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I've always wanted to use uh, Twitter for a positive platform. You know, I just never knew what I was going to use it for <laughs> you know it's like oh i'm going to the grocery store hashtag that right you know and right, yeah. <laughs> i'm just like man i want, I want to use it for something more uh and then, then it just, it just kind of hit me you know it's just like i've been i just hit 20 years in the wrestling business and um you know i have all this experience and all this knowledge um just from the people that came before me and i'm like you know what i'm just gonna i'm gonna use it and i'm gonna pass down the information to uh you know, uh, give, give them back to the business, you know, um, which, which is what everyone should strive to do, you know, uh, going forward in their careers. And, um, you know, it just kind of caught on one tweet led after another tweet and getting this response and that response. And I felt like I was really uh, kind of helping people out there. And, um, you know, I was just like, uh, and I, I, I have fun doing it. I enjoy doing it. And um, so, uh, yeah, if I can help somebody out there, you know, I'm, I'm just glad to do it. Look, look, you were getting a ringing endorsement from Jim Cornette. Yeah, Jim Corner, he's a great friend, a mentor of mine. Um, I know Jim for a real, real long time. Uh, I go way back with him all the way uh, back to OVW uh, in 2003. He actually um, was the guy that got my foot in the door there and uh, also my foot in the door at Ring of Honor. And if it wasn't for Jim, I wouldn't have had half the breaks that I would have had in the wrestling business because, um, you know, like to say, man, it's like um, it's right place, right time, who you know, you know, a little bit of luck and when all those things add up. You know, and then your talent, your skill kind of speaks for itself. And, um, you know, Jim was always uh, a big advocate of mine and uh, grateful for him. And uh, I know I wouldn't have the career that I would have uh, today if it wasn't for him. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's great that he supports uh, what I do. And, I, you know, I think that kind of gave me some uh, momentum to kind of keep going with that as well. Because, uh, you know, if Jim endorses it, you know, it's got to be a good thing. So, uh, you know, it's got nothing but the utmost respect for him. NYWC, did you train there originally or no? I like did. You, I, you did. Yeah, okay. that, that's just where I first started uh, 20 years ago um, in a, you know, a little school in Hicksville, Long Island, New York. And um, yeah, my trainers were uh, my tr trainers that broke me in originally were John Kirst and uh, a guy by the name of Mike Mayhem. And uh, yeah, it was class every Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. And, uh, you know, I was going to college at the time. And, uh, I, you know, I always believe. The younger that you're able to start something, you know, the better chances of success that you have uh, going forward anyway. So I was like, I'm just going to go for it, you know, and uh, I was there for like maybe a little bit less than a year. And then my first big break in the wrestling business came along uh, going to OVW. Uh, that's when Jim Cornette called me to, to come down. So I, uh, I had to, you know, that was uh, the WWE developmental system. And I had to uh, kind of jump on the bandwagon and not pass up that opportunity. But yeah, um, definitely. Uh, yeah. And when WC was where it all, where it all started, very uh, grateful for that place. Full circle then coming back to there. Yeah. <laughs> Full circle. Yep. Absolutely. Almost mm -hmm. like it's planned, you know, 20 years later, I'm going to go back where it all began. I'm going to go back where it started. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's great, man. MYWC has always been so good to me. Um, they always say the doors open for me 24-7 whenever I want it, whenever I need it. And um, they always lived up to their word, you know. And um, it's just crazy how everything kind of comes around, goes around, you know. No Mikey Whipwreck when you started? He wasn't there? No, uh, me and Mikey always kind of missed each other a little bit. Uh, Mikey came back to MYWC when I left for Louisville, Kentucky. However, I did have the pleasure of working a, a couple matches with him. Uh, one, when I was 21 years old. Uh, I remember that was at the Deer Park Community Center uh, where I was just a greenhorn. And I just listened to him and shut up. And he just led me like a champ, you know. And we had a nice little match, I remember. And then years later down the road, you know, we kind of crossed paths again. And, uh, you know, I always believe you um, – the ways you get better and the way you move forward in this business is to get in the ring with people that are that are better than you and that have more experience than you. You know, someone that, you know, you uh, you can make mistakes and that trained eye will kind of point out, you know, hey, this was wrong and explain why. And I finally had that opportunity when I got to wrestle Mikey because, you know um, – uh, for a while, I was kind of the most experienced guy uh, here, you know, in Long Island and everything like that. And to work with Mikey, someone that was better than me and had more experience, uh, kind of brought my game up, you know, just that much more. And we uh, tore down the house on a couple occasions, and it was just really cool to work with him. And um, I'm uh, just grateful for his teachings and everything like that. And just a hell of a guy. Just a really good dude. With you, like, teaching today, are you, like, a more old-school guy, new-school guy? Because it seems like you're old-school to the bone, but, like, what do you think about training and how do you train your guys? You know, that's a really good question because um, the, the business always evolves, you know. It, it was different than when I first started and when I first broke in the business. Um, it was um, it was different in the past before that, you know. It's just constantly, it's like a revolving door. And you have to, um, you have to adjust with the times, However, I do have just the way I was brought up and just the way I was trained, <clears throat> you know, just that common denominator and everything like that. I, um, I, I stick to my guns. I stick to what I believe in. And, uh, you know, um, you can't go wrong with emotion, telling a story, uh, psychology, um, connecting with the people, you know, whether that's being a heel or a baby face and just taking people on that emotional roller coaster ride. Where the moves and the spots are kind of irrelevant, it's all the stuff that's in between the moves and the spots that matter the most. The timing, uh, the acting and reacting to your opponent and what you're doing. Uh, again, the facial expressions. Um, you know, they always ask yourself why. Why are you doing something? You know, uh, when you're telling a story in the match. So, um, you know, I, I train my guys. You know, I train them old school. Um, I, you know, um, when they get done with me, they, they're going to they're gonna know how to wrestle with every single body part. They're, they're going to know how to get a heat on every single body part. Um, I told them that I consider myself uh, a failure as a trainer if you're not able to go a 60-minute Broadway uh, by the time, like, your training's done. So, um, you know, I kind of hold high standards, you know, to myself as a trainer and as a coach. Um, but, you know, I just um, – all I'm doing is just giving back and from all the information and all the experience that was taught to me uh, to prior, you know. So um, I, I kind of like to give a little bit of a mix of new school, old school, but um, just those old school values, I just think are so important. Um, the wheel's round, I believe. You can't reinvent the wheel, you know. Um, again, you, you got to adjust, you know, a little bit here and there. Uh, I can't be, I can't be hard nosed and I can't be stubborn like that, you know, because I understand uh, the business does evolve. But 
at the same time, you know, uh, the foundation's always true. It's always the same. And, um, you know, uh, what worked 50 years ago can still work today, I believe, if it's done right. You know, but it's got to come from within here. It's got to come with emotion. It's got to come with heart. You got to be able to feel it. You know, Dr. Tom always said, uh, you know, it's you have to believe uh, out there, you know, and if you're not believing, the audience ain't believing. And uh, that's what, just what it comes down to, suspending people's disbelief. You know, it's like watching a really good movie, uh, getting lost in the moment. And if you can portray that to the audience, what you're doing physically in the ring um, and psychology wise, then, you know, you're golden, you're aces and you're drawing money. When you draw money, then you're uh, you put yourself in a position to get a job and keep a job. My favorite Dr. Tom line is think, shoot, but work. He loves think, saying that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Think, shoot, then work. Yep. And wrestling's like uh, different flavors of ice cream. You know, I like chocolate. You might like vanilla, John, yep. you know, uh, but at the same time, it's all ice cream. You know, we, we just like different flavors. But at the end of the day, it's ice cream. There you go. And what's <laughs> the other one? Oh, I like, uh, I like strawberry ice cream. But when I'm going fishing, I'm not going to use strawberry ice cream because the the fish, you know, the, you got to use the bait. I forget how it goes, but basically, you can't you can't use something that the person doesn't like. You got yeah. you know you got to kind of use what they like to attract that type of person. See, I never heard of that one. I, that, that gives me a good reason to get in touch with them and ask them about that, though. Yeah, yeah. Something about like I I could bait a fish with with strawberries, but fish. You know, they're not going to eat the strawberries. I got to bait it with something that they're going to eat. So you got to, you know, be a little bit more uh, open, I guess, to, to, to maybe evolving or changing and, and knowing your audience kind of thing. Oh, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, everywhere you go, uh, your, your audience is different. You know, I encourage everyone to uh, make sure they watch the matches um, when, when they're on a show, not just so you don't repeat the same things that were done prior uh, during the show, but the audience is different. You got to see what they're. What are they biting on, you know, tonight? Uh, do they want to see violence? Do they want to see wrestling? Do they want to see comedy? You know, um, what, what, uh, every audience is different everywhere you go, you know, especially when you, you go to different uh, parts of the world, you know, like Japan or, uh, gosh, you go, to, you go to Tennessee, it's, it's working different there, you know. Uh, New York is a different atmosphere. So, uh, but absolutely, you got to uh, be able to know how to read your audience and cater to, uh, to your audience uh, to, to see what they want and what they're buying that night. Mm-hmm. Just to go back to training for a second, I saw uh, Kevin Nash did an interview. I might have been on his podcast, but I, I, he was saying about he went down to the performance center. And he was training the big guys. He was working with them. Michaels pulled him off to the side. He was like, we don't do that anymore. Like, we're doing spots and stuff. And he's like, oh, I like he thought it was more like almost like character based and stuff. But Michaels kind of was like, eh, let's work on more spots. I thought that was weird. It's like, wow, you're almost adapting too much to the new school and not doing enough old school for me. Anyway, that's what I took it as. Oh, wow. That, yeah. That's really interesting. You know? Um, yeah. I, you know, I've had the pleasure of going down to the WWE performance center. And oh, oh nice. Yeah. I was, I was a guest coach down there for, for about four times. And, um, you know, it's interesting. Um, because like, um, when they're teaching and everything like that, from, from my experience and from what I saw, is that you had coaches down there that preach and that teach the old school values um, of still uh, slowing things down, telling a story, uh, you know, wrestling with the body part, getting heat on a body part, you know? Um, but then like, sometimes I felt like I was going to shows and just, just my opinion. And I kind of don't really see anything that they're teaching per se at the performance center. And they're falling back into those habits of spots yeah. uh, going too fast um, kind of just working for noise instead of 
building slowly to one big pop at the end. You know what I mean? Um, so to me, that was like my only disconnect there uh, from my experience. But um, as far as getting an education there, I mean, gosh, you're getting a first class education. You have uh, seven or eight different coaches, uh, veteran coaches down there. Uh, you've got a green screen room down there to practice promos. You got a weight gym to get in shape. Uh, you got the the best doctors and trainers down there in case you get hurt or you pull a muscle or something like that. You know, so I mean, you're being put in a position to succeed when you go down there, and it's really up to you to embrace it um, as a student, being a student of the game. But yeah, the only one big disconnect is that, um, you know, I, I just um, what I saw like teaching and practicing. I wish I would have seen more of that stuff kind of being implemented in the shows. But it seemed like everyone kind of fell into that trap of, you know, um, got to memorize everything A through Z, you know, and just spot after spot after spot, you know. And um, but hey, you know what? It's just uh, I guess this how it rolls, I guess you know. So that's just my opinion. In wrestling, though, with today, shouldn't you be able to do both? Like you could do the spots, but if something goes awry, shouldn't you be able to kind of, I don't know, ad lib and take it into a different direction? It seems like to me, you could see where the screw ups happen with a lot of guys nowadays, not so much the older guys, but some of them, like a lot of the new guys. And you could tell that they go back to the spot and they retry it, like that kind of thing. Don't you think it should be, if it's a mistake, ad lib, move on so you kind of work through it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, that's why I'm a, I'm a big proponent, and I really believe it's a lost art these days, but being able to uh, call a match in the ring, um, I think it's absolutely necessary uh, these days to know how to do that. Uh, some people disagree with me, and but that's their opinion. You know, everyone's entitled to it. And just for the reason that you just said just now, John, you know, it's like um, if something gets messed up, if something doesn't go as planned in the ring, you know, and you're on live TV – uh, or a house show or whatever the situation that you're in, you know, you have to be able to adapt and you have to be able to change on the fly and be able to do so in a way where the audience uh, doesn't recognize that, you know, hey, something kind of is not really going to right here right now, you know, and, and I think that's what makes you a pro uh, to be able to cover up adapting situations when things don't go according to plan. Um, but yeah, when something, you know, um, uh, for me, when I'm wrestling, you know, if something doesn't go uh, right or whatever like that, I don't, I don't immediately go try to do it over again. You know, I'm going to keep going with the match. I'm going to keep, I'm going to improvise. And then if we get to it later on, I might go back to it, you know, again. But I'm not going to do it like one after another, if, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'm saying. I, feel like, I feel like a lot of it's like video games. You know what I mean? Like you're just <laughs> playing the games, you're doing the thing. And they'll rehearse it in the back or whatever you want to call it. You know, they'll, they'll kind of go over it. But there's no call in the ring. It's all they know exactly where they're going to do. No matter how the crowd reacts, they're going to do their spots. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to sound I don't want to sound like one of those, uh, you know, old school grizzled vets. Like, like call the <laughs> ring, brother. Yeah, call right, the right. ring. <laughs> you know, um, like, it, it's, it's okay to call stuff in the back. You know, um, you, know, you got to call a finish, you know. Um, you know, cut off spot. How, how are you going to start the match, you know. Um, but I just, um, you have to be able to go out there and also, and especially I, I preach to guys, especially my students now that have the freedom to do this. Because you have on the independence, you know, the window of uh, being able to make mistakes is this large, right? But if you go to Raw, SmackDown, NXT, you know, all of a sudden that window goes from here to here of making mistakes. You yep. know, uh, you don't want to make too many mistakes when that window is this narrow, you know? So I encourage guys to go out there and learn how to 
to call a match in the ring on the fly, improvise and, and make mistakes because that's how you learn, you know, that's, that's how you get better and stuff like that. Um, but, um, but yeah, like, um, you just have to go out there and you have to feel it. And a lot of times, you know, guys, uh, they go too fast, you know, and, um, when you're going too fast, you, you know, you don't get a good gauge on the people and stuff and you, you step on your own stuff a lot of times, whereas if I might give you a really good punch and the people bite, you know, really well, you know, and if I'm doing something right after, I'm not really getting the full appreciation from that punch that I previously just thrown, you know, so you're not getting the most that I'm doing the least, there's so many just different variables, you know, um, in the art of professional wrestling like that. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, I, I, I call stuff in the back, you know, but, um, I just, uh, try not to do everything, you know, in, in, in the back. That's all I, uh, I have to be able to gauge and feel my audience, you know, especially if I'm a heel, you know, because, um, you know, usually from the heel, I'm calling the match. So, um, I have to be able to feel and gauge my audience. Sometimes I like the video game stuff, but not mm -hmm. the whole card. Like one match or something, you know, yeah. I, I don't mind that, but not like the main event or something. I mean, it's like maybe early on, and then you kind of you know, build towards the main event, which should be more, I guess, the the top guys, more character-driven or, or more star-hungry for the main event. But there's a place with video game, there's just not every match, which I see on some shows. Yeah, no, you, again, you're right, because, um, and that's the problem, Um you know, uh, that's the problem I also see a lot that I, that I, uh, again, how I was brought up and Al Snow, Al, I credit Al Snow for teaching me this, uh, one of my coaches for a very long time is that, um, you know, you can't, you, I don't want to see the, the tigers every, if I'm going to the circus, right, I don't want to see the tiger act every single, you know, act. I want to see uh, the, the, the elephants, the freaking lions, the freaking trapeze. I want I want a variety, you know, and, um. I think a lot of guys out there today, they struggle about building a card, you know? And um, for example, when I say build a card, like the first match on the card, you know, there should be no false finishes. Don't go outside the ring, you know, give them a good wrestling match, baby face over, you know, get the, and the two most important matches on the card is the first match and the last match. The first match to get the people up, get the people going, say, this is going to be an exciting show. You know, I'm freaking happy to be here, you know, and then the last match being the money match, you know, draws the money. And, you know, that's, that's going to be their last impression when they leave the show, hoping to get a good taste in their mouth and want, want them to come back. But um, I just think, um, you know, if guys just did a bit, little bit better job trying to uh, build the card as a whole, you know, um, so they don't get into that habit of seeing repeats and stuff like that. You know, so um, you know, the first, boom. Then the second match, you're gonna tag match. You know, a third match. You know, give them the ladies. You know, and and now and now by the third match, now maybe you're doing one false finish. You know what I'm saying? With the finish being a sunset flip. So then the next match, now the people are educated that they saw a sunset flip as the finish from the previous match. You can do it for a false finish, so they'll buy it. You know, so you're telling a story kind of throughout the card. There's more structure to the to the show. You know, as opposed to going, all right, man, you're up next. You got 10 minutes. Uh, yeah, you're over and um, just, you know, do what you want. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, whoa, hey, that's why everyone's going outside the ring every single every single match. You know, that's why guys are, um, you know, they're using uh, like gimmicks, like chairs or uh, a table, you know, two or three times a show. And it's just like it ruins its value. It ruins how... Um, the suspense, how special it could be. You know what I'm saying? Um, you want to do something like that. You want to do it one time and you want to make it count, you know, and, uh, you know, generally speaking later on in the card when, um, 
you know, you don't want to open the show with a tables match. It's just anticlimactic that way, I think. But you got to start small and build big, you know. And it's just like working a match, except you're just working a match in a card form, you know. Great psychology. I love that. Where do you get, like, your, your knowledge of wrestling? It's, it seems very old school, but it seems so logical and, like, psychology-based. Uh, oh, thank you. Um, Honestly, just being in the wrestling business for 20 years, um, it's I didn't start out that way, um, but I, I take it very serious. Um, I was very fortunate to um, have a lot of great coaches along the way, so I got a lot of, quote-unquote, different flavors of ice cream. Um, just off the top of my head, uh, Rip Rogers, um, a friend of mine, one of my um, dearest, like, just what a great coach he is. And he really taught me how to work, taught me how to wrestle and everything. And um, I still keep in touch with him to this day. I just got off the phone with him two days ago because I had a coaching question. I'm never content. I'm always trying to learn and uh, get better myself today. You know, um, I don't know everything, but that's for sure. Um, Al Snow, I credit him for a lot of my psychology, uh, really learning the business of the match. You know, that every match is not shine, heat, comeback, finish. You know, but every match, there's a purpose of why two guys are fighting in conflict. And you have to be able to recognize that and understand that and be able to structure a match uh, according so, whether it's to get heat on a heel or get a baby face over, you know. And um, really taught me a lot about psychology. Uh, Lance Storm taught me a lot about false finishes, uh, where to put them in a match and how to get the most out of uh, doing the least. Uh, not to mention just phenomenal wrestler and really up my games from a wrestling aspect. Uh, Bill DeMont, um, Steve Kern, Dr. Tom Pritchard. Um, let's see here. I know there's a couple more I'm missing here. Uh, <laughs> but um, on top of all my coaches, you know, um, I, uh, I I got to work with a lot of guys that were really that are veterans and that drew money. Um, and I embraced that opportunity as well. Like when I worked with Shawn Michaels and Triple H on the, on the roster in 2006, that's when I really learned how to work like a main event guy. You know, um, it's just different. You know, you uh, it's, it's a lot slower paced. You're working guys that are over, so you don't have to do as much to them. You can do one or two things to them and let them sell, you know, and the people are just breaking on you like what on rice, you know. And, um, heck, I look back and I still made mistakes. I was doing too much to Shawn Michaels. I was beating the hell out of him. And I was just like, why? You know, because I'm, I'm just stepping on my own heat, you know, and not getting the most from doing the least. Uh, so I, I just got to learn so much from working uh, those guys. And Ric Flair, I got to learn a lot from Ric Flair working him. Um, Dusty Rhodes, you know, Sergeant Slaughter, uh, Roddy Piper. I spent a lot of time with Roddy Piper, especially after the matches. You know, we'd hang out in the hotel room and, uh, we kind of go over the match that we had and everything, and he would break things down for me um, from A to Z. And this is what you could have done, Mikey. You could have done this here or that there. Um, this was good, but it could have been great if you would have did this, you know, and um, just being a student of the game and just not being content. And then, of course, of all the years that I've been coaching, um, you, you're constantly reiterating the basics and the fundamentals to yourself. Uh, you're watching – what's being done and you're seeing mistakes. So you're, you're reminding yourself, okay, well don't do that. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Uh, or that was good. Do more of that, you know? And uh, so you're constantly teaching yourself as you're coaching other people. And um, it's just been a, a great ride, you know, and um, just implementing all those different aspects and stuff like that. And like I said, I, I still, I got my go-to guys that I go to that I still ask questions that I trust uh, if I have questions today. And um but uh, but thank you. I appreciate the compliment. Yeah, um, you know, I uh, 
like to try to give a little. I like to have the the mind of Mondo be a nice little mix that's different, you know, that's uh, has a unique approach, you know, but um, kind of caters to uh, today, but still sticks to my guns of having the old school mentality. Back to DX and Triple H, Shawn Michaels for a second. I know, like everybody always says, oh, they didn't give you guys enough. Uh, they they squashed the spirit squad. Remember, they put the little sticker on you guys and 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 you know backed over you. What did you like? Obviously, you had a different thought, but us as fans were kind of like, they didn't give these guys enough. Did you think that they gave you guys enough? Like as far as you know, enough offense, enough heat. Like, was it enough what they did, or did they kind of squash you guys? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's one of those things where um, we needed to beat them on TV at least one time. Or, or two times, you know, and uh, I, I think because we never got a chance to beat them on TV that when we did the house shows, because that's what the TV is, the TV is an advertisement for your house shows, you know, um, so um, it was just one of those things where they just, um, you know, they knew, they, they, they kind of knew the end, they knew the finish was, they knew the finish before really the finish even happened, you know, and, um, and you know, part of that's a little bit our fault from the beginning, because at the very beginning of our run, we were very uh, high energy, kind of goofy, uh, not so serious, you know, doing the cheers, cocky, arrogant, you know. And Sean uh, pulled me aside and he's like, uh, hey, you're, you know, you're one of my favorite cheerleaders, but I'm, just, I'm letting you know you got to smarten up the other guys is that when it's time to get your heat, you got to get your heat, you know, because if you get in the ring with a guy like me, I got no problem turning all five of your heads and kick, 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 kick. And I kind of sat to myself and it's like, okay, well, I know I get that, you know, and I'm glad he said something because if we're not credible, if we don't, if, if our heat is not being taken seriously, you know, then when we get in the ring with say like a Shawn Michaels or a Triple H or a Ric Flair, no one's going to believe that we're ever going to beat them, you know, but if we can create a question in their head, like we have a chance, you know, then, okay, that's sufficient enough and we can move, we can work with that. We can move forward on that, you know? Um, but yeah, to answer your question, um, yeah, I, I did think we needed to win, you know, a couple times on TV, uh, just to have that credibility, you know, that maybe the squad can pull it off, you know, and, and uh, and do that. Um, and a lot of our victories were by DQ also like working Kane and big show and stuff. Like we could have used a couple good W's, you know, I think just to kind of cement ourselves and being uh, just a little bit more credible, you know, than what we were, but, um, you know, Hey, Sometimes you can't uh, get everything you want for Christmas. You just got to make the most of what you have, you know, and um, you just kind of move forward from there. Did you like the back to OVW thing? I mean, that seemed like such a slight, like, what the hell? Like, you beat Yeah, I didn't like that. Uh, I didn't like it. I, I mean, there's a story behind it, really. Um, originally, that sign was supposed to say uh, Tijuana. <laughs> it was supposed to say going back to Tijuana. But, uh Triple H thought it would be kind of funny because, like, you know, Mitch had a, a, a little bit of a bad rap, you know, and, um, you know, uh, he would just get his heat sometimes when just really wasn't called for some of the most stupid stuff. And it's just like I learned this in wrestling school. Why am I getting a talk from Arn Anderson about this right now, you know? And But yeah. when you're a tag team, that's what happens. When one guy gets a little trouble or heat, you know, and the kind of everyone kind of, you know, gets a little bit of that too, you know, and uh, – that's just kind of what happened with, you know, with a lot of us. But anyway, a long story short, um, you know, Hunter thought it'd be funny. He goes, hey, uh, Mondo would be a, uh, because Mitch, you know, he, he's the shits, is, uh, 
would it be kind of funny if we put a sign that said OVW, you know, going back to OVW, you know, like the developmental, which in hindsight, I mean, okay, but the illusion is all five of us are going in the box, not just Mitch, you know, so um, yep. it kind of, uh, you know, but I was, you know, look, I was 23 at the time. I was a boy in a man's world. I'm not trying to make excuses. Uh, I, 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 there's a few things I wish I can go back and do differently. Uh, that being one of them, I wish maybe I would have spoke up a little bit and be like, no, can we do it that way? Because of the illusion, it's really all of us and kind of really kind of buries us a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, though, it's, it's crazy how that really stuck because I still get asked about it to this day and podcasts. It's usually one of the questions that come up, you know, and uh, maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe I'm not, but, uh, I really don't put too much thought into it today. I just kind of move forward, you know, but, um, yeah, that's something I wish I would have kind of spoke up and said, Hey man, can we do it the, uh, the way it was originally planned? <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like a slight on those, like you guys, like you and Kenny, obviously it's like, wow, like they don't need to go back to OVW. Like what the hell? What a slight. Yeah. 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 That's just one of those things, you know, I mean, yeah, it could have been really just mentioned there, but again, the illusion was all five of us. So, uh, you know, just uh is what it is what did you think of h did you like working with him i did i learned a lot from triple h actually um you know he uh he was again he's a killer kowalski guy old school and on the house shows we did a lot of call matches in the ring and stuff like that so uh you know us just getting that experience and that knowledge you know we just uh shut up and listen you know and um he uh he was always really good about going over the match with us afterwards too and uh teaching us the, the little things what we can do to uh uh, embrace our gimmick a little bit more, but at the same time, do things where we're credible and getting good heat. You know, um, he came up with the singlet ideas because um, for a while we were wearing uh, the white, the white uh, Under Armour and stuff. And um, yeah, no, he was uh, he was real cool. You know, uh, real just uh, giving to us in the ring, especially in the house shows and stuff like that. So um, yeah, never had a problem with working with Hunter. Uh, always, always real good. I mean, I, I, when I see him to this day, he always gives me a few minutes to talk and everything. So, um, but, uh, I appreciate that. So how do you actually get into OVW? You're mentioning a little, you know, a little bit of Cornette stuff, but how do you actually like get in? I mean, do they scout you? Is there somebody that's watching guys and, and like recruit you in? Um, well, yeah, I got my foot in the door because, uh, I came home from wrestling practice one day and, uh, I went to the OVW uh, website and I saw that there was a week long trial camp, uh, down in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, that's the only way you were able to get in OVW at the time back then. It was by invite only. So they were oh. holding this uh, tryout camp, and um, it was $1,000. And I said, you know what? WWE is the place I always wanted to be at. This is the farm system, the minor leagues. I go, let's give this a shot, you know? So I uh, put in my money. I guess they liked what they saw on my resume or my, my, my pictures or whatever it was. But I got a call back uh, inviting me to come down. So uh, I did just that, and the deal was if you get accepted, uh, that thousand dollars goes towards your tuition, and um, you know, and uh, it, and if it doesn't, then you know you just you're left with a good experience, and hopefully you learn something. So I went down there. Doctor Tom was holding the tryout. Uh, Jim Cornette was holding the tryout. Uh, Rocky Johnson was there. Rip Rogers, Danny Davis, and um, I just man, I was just under a year in the business, and I just uh, just just tried my hardest, you know, and I guess my hardest was good enough because when I came back a couple of days later, I got a call from Jim Cornette, um, not hiring me, but inviting me to come down full time. Um, he said, I would have to get a job and everything down there, but I can train with the advanced class. 
um, with the contract guys and uh, start doing TV every Wednesday for them and kind of work on the whole territory, you know, the house shows on the weekends. And um, that's what I did. And I was, I was just like, wow, this is my first, this was my first big break in the wrestling business. And uh, it was definitely something I, I, I didn't want to pass up or I couldn't pass up. So I finished out my semester in college at uh, Suffolk uh, County Community College here on Long Island. And then um, off I went down to Louisville with pretty much nothing, you know, and just uh, just a kid trying to live his live his dream. And uh, from there, you know, I became a coach and a trainer not too long, much longer after that. Um, they liked what they saw and they were trying to put me in a position to get hired um, because they always uh, WWE always liked my wrestling and my work. But they never really saw the money in me yet, you know, that was like, OK, well, he can work. But how can we make money with him, you know, and. They were just trying to put me in these positions to try to say, hey, look, this kid's an asset because not only can he do this, but he can coach. He can, you know, and he's not even signed and he's training the, the contract guys and everything like that. And um, so, um, yeah, it was just um, everything happened so fast. And before you know it, I was turning 21 and getting signed to my first developmental contract. So, uh, you know, it was a heck, it was a heck of a grueling schedule for sure. You know, um, sometimes I put in six, seven hours of practice, boom, go to the gym, right from the training center, shower at the gym, go to my, uh, serving job at Logan's, uh, to serve tables, get home at 11 o'clock at night, just to freaking go to sleep by 12, get up at 7am to be my boots on, uh, 8am practice, you know? And it was like that every Monday, Tuesday, you know, TV Wednesday, and it was just, uh, it was wild, man. It was a, one of the greatest times of my life, though. So technically, you're a WB contracted guy under a developmental contract, but you also helped out training? Or was your contract as a trainer who also wrestled? Oh, uh, no. When I got hired, uh, as uh, it was a developmental contract as a talent. Oh. Yeah. I was never under coaching contract. No, no. But um, I was... Uh, what happened was like Lance Storm, uh, the contract class got so big at one point, you know, it was kind of impossible for one guy to run the whole show, you know. So he split up the contract class into two classes and the non-contract guys got bumped up to an 8 a.m. class. So it was my job to uh, train the 8 a.m. class and then for me to get my workout in with Lance at 12 o'clock, you know, get a two hour break just to come back at four o'clock to train the OVW beginners program that Danny Davis put me in charge of, which was a separate job on itself as I was getting a payday uh, from that on, you know, aside from my contract and everything that Danny was paying me to train the beginners class. And then after that, I would assistant train with Rip Rogers and do the intermediate class. So it was, I mean, I was, and Danny Davis would always call me out and be like, kid, don't burn yourself out. Don't burn yourself out. You know? And, um, because, I mean, it got to the point where I kind of did burn myself out, you know. I mean, it was wrestling 24-7. But, um, you know, I just uh, embraced it. And, um, you know, uh, maybe that's just how I became the wrestler and the worker I am today, you know, just from living it for so long. So how quick was it, like, you're there and then they turned you into the Spirit Squad? Was that a few years that go by um, and they create that gimmick? Two, two years. Yeah, about two years. Yeah. Uh, I remember Jim Cornette just, uh, he left already at this point. Uh, Paul Heyman came to book um, at that point in time. And uh, I was kind of like in this stage in my career where uh, I was kind of lost a little bit. And I, um, you know, I was just kind of, I felt like just a wrestler in tights. And, you know, there was nothing really much more to me, you know, and I, I needed that little something extra and I just couldn't figure it out. 
Um, you know, Danny pitched, Danny Davis pitched me working under a mask for a little bit. I did that. Wasn't really feeling it, you know? Um, and I was just trying different things. And then, um, Elijah Burke was originally supposed to be in the spirit squad. This was a Vince McMahon idea, by the way, uh, the spirit squad, but Elijah, I didn't want to do the idea. He turned it down. And, uh, that's how I got my break to step up and be in the spirit squad. I was home one Christmas and Tommy dreamer called me. And he's like, can you make it to TV this Monday? They're going to be in Jersey. Uh, you're, you're in New York right now, right? And I go, yeah, yeah, I'm home for the holiday. He's like, okay, show up to Jersey, uh, put some highlights in your hair, you know, uh, look all GQ. And um, so I did that, you know, and um, he took me in front of Stephanie. Stephanie took just a look at me like that. And you're like, yep, that'll work, you know. So really, um, my look really alone kind of got me the job, you know. And I was so overprepared work-wise, doing a match was like a like do that in my sleep you know right so but if i felt good i was like okay i got some direction now i got i got some uh you know um some pointers here you know because for a while i was just like kind of like a deer in headlights i didn't really know where i was going but um but now that i had direction i was able to embrace the cheerleading thing and uh kind of make that work and um it was it was, it was a good time elijah burke in the spirit squad i don't know if i see that i don't know if it fits yeah, you know what? I think Elijah would have done all right, though. He has a very loud personality, especially if you know him personally. You know, um, I, I love Elijah, man. But he's, uh, yeah, he's he's um, definitely, uh, he has the personality for it, you know. But, you know, he believed in, um, he had different alternative motives, you know. Um, he believed that there was another route for him, you know. Um, we all knew the Spirit Squad was going to be a run. You know, we weren't going to be the Spirit Squad forever, you know. And, um just Elijah, he just, I guess he believed in himself that he, uh, he had a different path. And for, for his credit, it was the right decision because he went on to be a singles guy after that and made a name for himself in the uh, ECW. And then he went to SmackDown and, um, you know, uh, he had a, a good run, you know, a really good run. And then after that, he became the Pope and went to TNA, you know, uh, had a good run there. And now he's in NWA, I believe. Yep. And um, Elijah is a smart guy. You know, he can hell of a promo. Uh, he's uh, he was actually in the uh, OVW trial camp with me. Um, <laughs> he didn't know anything. He was brand new, and um, he got accepted as well. So obviously, they saw the talent in him too. You know, and uh, so good for him. I, you know, I wish nothing for the best for Elijah Burke. So the Spirit Squad was actually Vince McMahon's idea, not Paul Heyman's idea, as far as the gimmick. Yeah, no, that was a Vince McMahon idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, we knew it was going to get pushed to the moon, you know, we knew it was going to uh, be, uh, the engine was going to be behind it, so to speak, you know, and uh, that's exactly what happened because when we went to TV, you know, we were kind of thrown in the main events right away. Yeah. You know, uh, we were working with Kane and Big Show uh, two, two months after our debut, we were winning the tag belts uh, the day after WrestleMania 22. Um, and then from there, we went to work in main events with DX uh, and then Flair would get in the mix, you know, and when, when Hunter or Sean would have the day off on the weekend, you know, Flair would take their place. So we're constantly just, it's like in like a rotation of uh, these uh, great top guys, you know, that draw money and everything like that. And um, here we are, you know, just um, just rolling with it, doing the best we can, trying to freaking run with the ball, you know, and uh, it was great. It was really great. And, you know, after that, we had a run with the Highlanders, uh, Crime Time. And then we kind of went back to the main events again when we worked with the legends, with uh, Roddy Piper, Flair, Dusty, Sarge, Ron Simmons. So uh, a, lot, a lot of great experience. A lot of great experience. 
My buddy used to tape, I guess it was on WB or CW, whatever the channel, used to tape OVW during that time period. Yeah. And it seemed like, to me, call me crazy, the Spirit Squad was like tougher. Um, I don't know. Maybe you guys were getting more heat in OVW. It just seemed like a different character. When you got to the V, it seemed more cartoony. I just remember you guys being a little bit more like dangerous in OVW. Because I, I was really paying attention. I was like, wow, okay, Punk and Albright had that cool few, the grandfather's uh, whip or you know his belt or whatever. I mean, they had this cool thing. I was like, wow, the Spirit Squad, this isn't like a corny thing. It's like these kind of like psycho male cheerleaders. Then when it got to WB, it was kind of like, yeah, they're like they're almost more cheesy. Am I right or am I wrong? Like you guys kind of get a little bit cornier if, on WB. Um, yeah, a little bit, I think. You know, um, uh, yeah, I think also uh, we uh, we were in different positions at OBW. You know, like uh, before Kenny was Kenny, he was Ken Doan. Um, Johnny Jeter uh, was Johnny Jeter before he was Johnny. You know, so um, I think Paul didn't want uh, us to change like too much from what we were. You know, because that's what the people were educated and seeing and everything like that. And um, I think we needed to, you're right, maybe bring some more, looking back, you know, we could have brought more of that FU bone uh, to WWE, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, uh, I remember at the very beginning of WWE, our run was very character-driven. Uh, heck, we didn't debut in the ring physically until, like, a month after our debut. We were kind of just doing cheers, you know, the whole time and yeah. everything like that. So um, that kind of maybe we've gotten the, the stigma of that, like, kind of right off the bat. You know, but um, when, it, when it came down to OVW, you know what? Maybe it was just a confidence thing. I don't know, because, like, I remember back in the day, back in the day when uh, if I had a dark match as an extra, you know, I would come back to OVW and my lats would be a little bit more spread. You know, it was like, man, I just had this dark match in front of freaking 10,000, yeah. 15,000 people. You know, what's what's working in front of 300 people now? Like, this is going to be this is a piece of cake. It's a walk in the park, you know, and I, I had a little bit more of that confidence, a little bit more of that edge, you know, to me. Um, so maybe it was one of those things, you know, uh, I, I don't know, but, um, but yeah, we, um, and, and that's what's funky about the spirit squad is that we needed to be able to, to turn up the heat when uh, it was time to, you know, because we were such a gimmick, we were such a character. So in order for us to be credible, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, with Sean is that we had to, um, be a threat, you know, and convince the people that we were legit. So, um, and as hindsight's twenty twenty, I, mean, I look back now what I what I know now, and I would have done like a lot of things differently. But uh, you know, you're in the moment, and um, you know, you're just trying to uh, please the boss, you know, because um, you 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 you're pretty much working one show at a time. You know, you, you can be the greatest thing one night, you know, and then shit the bed the next week, and now you're the shits. <laughs> yep, you know yep. what I'm saying? So it's like yep. you you constantly have that pressure of you're always trying to prove yourself and. Uh, you know, um, kind of steal the show and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah. I could see Vince saying, oh, man, I hate male cheerleaders. <laughs> you know, like, I could picture him, like, going, I hate these guys. Like, him really getting invested into the gimmick because he probably really hates – like male cheerleaders, so he, which is true. I mean, a lot of guys be like, mm -hmm. oh, like as soon as you guys started doing those vignettes, it's like, man, these guys are annoying. Like, oh my god, yo, yeah. Mikey and Nikki. It's yeah. like, oh man, I hope these guys get their come up and I hope they get their ass kicked. Was that was his kind of thing to you guys? Like, be as annoying as possible. Uh, he, he actually loved it. He, you know, uh, I remember when we first met Vince uh, with when uh, he wanted to meet the guys. You know, and. um we got flown to TV and, uh, you know, Johnny Ace uh, was like, all right, let's go meet the boss, you know. 
And he's like, all right, remember, guys, you only get one chance to make a first impression. You know, and we already kind of had an idea what we wanted to do. We, we knew that already through Paul yep. Heyman, that you already have one chance to make a first impression. So we uh, we had this little idea that we were going to do to, you know, and it was either Vince is going to love it or he's going to tell us to get the hell out. You know, it's one or the other. So, um, you know, we get in the elevator, we go up to meet Vince, you know, and one by one we run into his office and I'm blasting the air horn and, you know, and he kind of like looks up and takes his glasses down and he's looking at us and we do our thing, Kenny, Johnny, Mitch, Nick, you know, Mikey, whatever, and uh, do a cheer. You know, we got spirits, we do, how about you, you know, and right in his face, the air horn, and, you know, <laughs> and he just goes, ha, 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 this is going to work, this is going to work, you know, and he actually penciled us in the debut that night on tv but um it ended up not working out we had a dark match instead but we uh, did debut the week after that so uh yeah vince Vince was a fan of it you know he he liked he he liked us you know i learned a lot from vince too you know especially through promos and character and you know gosh probably one of the best heels of all time you know so um just really uh really cool to work with him did you like doing the vignettes though? Did you think like, oh, this is uh, like this is just so much fun because you could just be whatever you want to be. You know, I mean, you could be as wacky and crazy as you want to be. Well, uh, the vignettes. I don't. I don't remember shooting vignettes. We never did vignettes for WWE. Now we did well, some like, vignettes. Not, not vignettes, but like when you would be like Mikey, like you know, you guys pop in and out of the screen, and it's almost oh. like the, the the promo videos. I guess you would call them. I'm not sure the exact name, but it's almost just like you guys announcing yourselves. Yes. Yeah. It was very over the top, very obnoxious, you know, yeah. um, yep. uh, very, um, very loud, you know? And, uh, I, I just remember for me, cause I was a football player, you know what I'm saying? And I remember in high school, I would see the male cheerleaders and I would see how they would act, you know, and how they would be. And it was yep. just like, Oh, I'm, I'm so I, I kind of, I, um, I kind of like knew, you know, like, uh, and I just kind of incorporated what I was, what I felt as a kid and just brought that, to life, you know, 20 years, 10, 15 years later, you know what I mean? On live TV, because like, honestly, the guys hated us, but the girls loved us, <laughs> you know? So it was just, uh, just catering to that, you know, and just being that loud, that obnoxious, you know, uh, type deal. But again, when it comes time to push and shove, you gotta be able to back up what you, uh, you know, you can talk a lot of crap, but you gotta be able to back it up, you know? And could we have done more of that sooner? Yes. You know? But uh, again, hindsight's twenty twenty. Looking back, but um, I thought we did a good job adjusting and doing what we had to do. So uh, yes, I think we could have had a longer run. You know, um, I think it was only like a little bit under a year. Uh, I definitely think the it had a little bit more longevity to it. You know, but you know, um, you can only pitch so many ideas and just uh, can can't control Mother Nature sometimes. You know, what they want to do is what they want to do, and you know, they told us that they had plans for for us afterwards. So. You know, because you want to keep moving up, obviously, you know, after the run, you don't want to kind of get lost in the shuffle and everything. So, but, um, but yeah, that's just kind of how it rolled out, you know. Mm-hmm. On one hand, you obviously you're on TV, you're working with Vince and Michaels and Kane, Big Show, uh, Triple H, you're working with all these guys. But do you think like, oh man, this gimmick's kind of got a shelf life. I hope this doesn't hurt me in the future. You know, being being the male cheerleader hopefully doesn't hurt me in the future. I mean, on the other hand, it doesn't hurt Ziggler at all, right? So is that what people are thinking? Like, it's just a way on TV, then I'll build myself up to another character? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, we, like you said, we knew that the Spirit Squad had a run, you know? And um, I trusted, for me personally, like, um, 
uh, I trusted myself that I was kind of uh, overprepared at that point in time, you know, as far as in-ring work goes, you know, I cut a promo, healer, baby face. Um, I had uh, some ideas in, in the back pocket of mine because the original plan afterwards was for Kenny to go solo as a heel, um, for G uh, Johnny to go solo as a baby face, and for me and uh, Ziggler to be a tag team, uh, a heel tag team. And Mitch was going to get sent back down no matter what. Uh, that's more right. I understood. Because uh, he just wasn't, you know, didn't, wasn't, no, no disrespect, but he just wasn't, you know, there yet, you know. And uh, so that that was the idea. That was the plan, you know. And I, I remember uh, even when the squad ended, it was like, all right, let's, you know, we we waited outside Vince's office after TV uh, for a good five, ten minutes, you know. And um, he opened the door and we pitched this idea, you know, it was like the frat pack kind of like a spinoff of the squad, but a little bit more serious uh, kind of role a little bit. Um, but you know, the people will be familiar with this, you know, and kind of like a little spinoff of what we did and Vince, uh, he shook our hand. He's like, let's, let's do it. Sounds great. You know, it works. Um, it's like, all right. So we kind of left, uh, we got everything we needed to get, you know, um, as far as what the, the frat pack needed to get. And, um, you know, uh, next week our flight got canceled and, uh, and that's something again, I wish I can go back and change is I wish that I would have kind of me and Ziggler both wished that we would have bought our own flights and went to TV, you know, and just kind of showed up, you know, they weren't going to kick us out. I mean, cause Vince shook our hands. So let's do it. You know, let's do this idea. So, um, but anyway, we were like, okay, our flights got canceled. You know, we'll, we'll be going to TV next week. And, uh, just unfortunately it was one of those things. We never got called back to TV, you know? And, um, uh, shortly after that, uh, was, we went back down to OVW and then we went to FCW for a little bit. You know, and then, uh, yeah, eventually uh, I left the company in 2008 and Ziggler went on to be on the road. And I know Kenny started out with Rated RKO, you know, was there for a little bit, you know, and then his run ended. And so it's like originally all the plans they had for us, everything went in a different direction anyway. <laughs> you know? So yeah, definitely. One of those things. Yeah, but I always <laughs> believed in myself and I always had confidence in myself, you know. Um, I always knew I could work and I can get a job and keep a job. So whatever uh, path they were going to put me on, I'll do it to the best of my ability. And it's interesting. They bring you guys back in 2016 for a little run. I guess when Road Dog was booking SmackDown, he yeah. brought the Spirit Squad back for a little run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was really cool. Uh, that came out of nowhere. I got a phone call. <laughs> I remember I was at a baby shower where uh, Ziggler texted me. He's like, KV, but uh, the office is gonna call you come to tv and i'm just like what <laughs> you know what i mean like talk about not even like a hint you know uh and sure yeah. enough the office called it was supposed to be a one-off uh long story short it was supposed to be a one-off but uh it got such a good reaction that uh, the, the the writers the writers there at the time didn't even know we had a run prior they thought we were just brand new you know um this is like how like i guess out of touch they were about yeah the wow that's a product, a product yeah. you know and um they were like, uh, yeah, they like you guys, you know, and uh, Vince liked it, liked the way it went over. And then uh, he brought us back next week and then we came back to the pay-per-view. And then, you know, we had a really big moment and a false finish at the end, which kind of really made that match, you know, that much better. Um, and I was like, okay, well, maybe they can do something with Heath and Rhino now, you know. And, um, you know, we were, um, it wasn't really known for non-contract guys to be on TV um at that time you know because i mean th they put a live microphone in our hands we're not signed we could have said anything we wanted to say so they must have trusted us you know and uh obviously we wouldn't do something like that but i'm just saying it's very abnormal for 
couple non-contract guys to kind of go in and get that opportunity of, you know, week after week after week of, you know, live TV and stuff. So really in essence, we turned a one-off into about three months, you know, and then, um, yeah, just one day, I remember we were just doing a 15-man, like, I think it was honestly, it really was a 15-man tag match. It was like, it was crazy. It was like bringing 10 on 10 or something like that. But I had a feeling like, I was like, I don't gotta, I got a bad feeling that, uh, you know, the run's going to end soon. Um, just because, like, I just didn't really know where we were going. The thing with the Miz and Ziggler kind of fizzled out, you know. Um, they really weren't doing anything with the tag teams then as much on TV. Um and, uh, yeah, we just, and then honestly, it was one of those things, just, uh, you stay persistent. You, you, you call them when you don't hear from them, but it was a lot of, yeah, we'll get back to you. And, uh, just, it just fizzled out and never got a hint or a call or an email or nothing, you know? So, uh, it's kind of unfortunate, but again, that's, that's the nature of the beast and that's the business. So, you know, that's how it goes. I remember that got you like a bit of an indie run, House of Hardcore run, uh, MLW oh, yeah. run, right? Right after that. So some interest was definitely peaked. Oh, definitely. I mean, it definitely freshened us up, you know, for sure. Um, you know, and like like you just said, we got a great, uh, a lot of bookings out of it. Seminars. Uh, we got to go to Australia a couple times uh, working for Tommy Dreamer. Um, gosh, we went all around the States. You know, me and Kenny just working uh MLW, you know, we got an opportunity there. Uh, we did a shot for Ring of Honor, uh, working the Young Bucks. Um, so it was really cool. You know, it was, it was good. To, we it was good exposure to get uh, to get uh, freshened back up again. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Yeah, so it was Spirit good. Squad, you know, dies in the early or mid two thousands, a little bit late two thousand, but then it resurged. It's funny you wouldn't think of it, but it did. It resurged for a bit. Uh, I'm sorry. What was that last part? It was a bit of a resurgence for the Spirit Squad, which was kind of surprising. Absolutely, um, because I mean, you know, everyone kind of, uh, I mean, not everyone, but like people kind of like they, they belittled the gimmick a little bit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh yeah, it's just gonna have a run, and then people are gonna forget about you. You know, but but people really never really forgot about us. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like it, it got, yeah. I think it got way more uh, notoriety and more longevity than people ever would have thought. You know, um, I mean, heck, we're still mentioned. Uh, um, you know, um, I mean, on that one, thanks to the WB network, though, I mean, that's a big help, too. But, uh, like the magazines and stuff, like, we'll get thrown in there, like, where are they today, you know, and everything. So it's like, uh, they still bring us up every now and then, you know, and it's not like they completely let it go and forgot about us. Um, I think we were five guys, five, you know, five talented guys that really, um, made chicken salad out of chicken shit, you know, um, we really embraced the gimmick. I think we, we made the most of it for the opportunity that we got, you know, and um, I think it showed. I think uh, through our passion, you know, we, I think we made it work and I think we did a, a good job. And I, I think because of that, you know, um, that's why we got another run a little bit later on in 2016, because that's how the business works. It's like a revolving door, you know, you'll, you'll be on top one day, then you know, you'll be working the opening card the next day. Then sometimes you got to get let go and go away for a little bit, you know, it's a, come back again, you know, a couple of years later where you're freshened up, you know, and that's just, uh, that's the nature of like doing the territory system back in the day. You know, you, you do a run and go work for Stu Hart. You do a run there. You go to, go to Texas to work with Von Erics and do a run there, you know, and you constantly just go to work for Vince. And, you know, it's just like the nature of the beast there as far as working the territories and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, yeah, it was, it was good. But I think we made the most out of what we had. Definitely. Yes. Very, very mm-hmm. true. 
as we hit the wind down, we head towards the finish. What's next for you? I know you we were talking about training stuff, but what else? What are you, are you doing wrestling anymore? Are you retired? What's going on with that? Uh, no, I, well, I had a little health scare. Um, I uh, was diagnosed with blood clots in my leg, and uh, I had to take some time off. I couldn't do anything physically in the ring uh, for a little over a year. Um, so I had to get that taken care of. So in the meantime, I was doing a lot of uh, training, a lot of coaching, seminars and stuff. But thank, thank God I'm good to go now. I'm healthy, 100%. Uh, so that's that's put behind me. Uh, so now I'm working on getting myself in better shape. In February will be my first match back in the ring. Uh, that'll be for the Psycho Circus at NYWC here in Long Island, New York. And then in March, I'm going to Italy for a seminar and uh, a match as well. And I'm kind of looking to uh, get booked up from February on. So if you're a promoter and you want to you know, book me for a show or for a seminar, uh, you can email me at themikemondo at gmail.com. I'd be happy to uh, hopefully we can do some business together. Um, and also, again, I want to, you know, uh, the Mondo Boot Camp, uh, the Mind of Mondo uh, match critiques for only $20. I will dissect your match from A to Z. Uh, the pros, the cons, all the little things, give you tips and what the, the big leagues are looking for. And uh, just, you will, you will, I promise you will leave better. Uh, if you don't, if you don't feel that way, I'll give you your money back guaranteed. <laughs> so, uh, but you can DM me, uh, follow me on Twitter, the Mike Mondo, um, email me, the Mike Mondo at gmail.com. And uh, I hope we can work together and uh, look forward to it. So yeah, that's uh, what's been going on with me. And uh, also training guys at MYWC Wrestling Academy. So uh, I'm doing that also as well in the, in the meantime. So um, it's been uh, pretty busy. Nice. So not retired and looking to come back. That that's a that's a good thing. I like that. Getting back in there. Yeah, it's great. Absolutely, man. You know, I'm looking forward to it. I you know, I got the itch. I've always had the itch. Um, you know, I'm I'm going to be 40 years old. 40 years old in March. And, um, you know, it's just time for one last good go, you know, one last push here. And um, I'm not getting any younger. I feel good. I feel healthy. Um, you know, my, this, this hasn't gone yet. I still got it up here. That, that's the most important thing, um, you know, as far as my the psychology and just um, the ins and outs of the business. And I think it'll be just like riding a bike for me physically. You know, I think I obviously I'm training, but uh, it'll come back one thing at a time. And I'll be looking forward to kicking some ass, you know, and uh, entertaining some fans all around the world. Who is it, Buddy Rogers, that said uh, your prime hits when you're 40 or you start doing main events when you're 40? Was that Buddy Rogers? It might have been the, na- the old nature boy. Yeah, and also Rip Rogers, too, actually. Uh, maybe Buddy's oh, there really? as well. But yeah, Rip, Rip would say, I mean, when you first broke in the business, you know, you work in the opening match against, uh, you know, a veteran, you know, and that's how you learn how to work. You know, you only didn't you weren't only in the main events until you were like 35, 40, you know, and had all those years of experience uh, prior hand, you know, um, but that was a different time for sure, you know, so, uh, but yeah, I, I've heard that before too. <laughs> awesome. Well, good luck with the NYWC and obviously follow you on Twitter because the, the mind of Mondo, I love that stuff. There's a lot of good advice you're always giving out on there. So that is uh, some good stuff. Keep that good stuff going. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll keep it flowing. Absolutely. And uh, like I said, I'm just, if I can reach out to somebody and help them, you know, then it's uh, it's well worth it. And, uh, I'm happy to do it. All right, Mike, thank you for all the time today. I really appreciate it. All right. Th- thank you, man. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. It was, uh, it was an, uh, fun going down memory lane. <laughs> 
This has been a John Paz Power Trip production in conjunction with the two-man power trip of wrestling. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at two-man power trip. You can check us out on Facebook. You can subscribe on YouTube. You can go to patreon.com slash tmptempire to become a patron. And also check out the website tmptempire.com and buy a shirt at prowrestlingtees.com. Two-man power trip where the power lies brother.